0: that we can do to reduce the chances of a surprising encounter just be aware of what's around you are there lots and lots of salmon berries lots of blueberries that we're getting right now okay that's that's going to be an area where a bear's going to come to feed so leave that space
1: this is defender radio I'm Michael Howey, and this is Defender Radio, the podcast for wildlife advocates and animal lovers, brought to you by the fur Bears. Black bears are common throughout much of Canada, and despite their gentleness and general lack of interest in people, they end up the accused source of conflict with humans regularly. Unfortunately, that also means that law enforcement agencies are the ones responding to, and frequently killing, bears. These agencies can lack training, funding, and or third-party oversight of officer discretion in the field. Bears pay for the mistakes made by people. And that's why organizations like the Fur Bears and the North Shore Black Bear Society work so hard to educate residents on how we can prevent conflict. At North Shore Black Bear Society, education coordinator Lucy Cadman speaks regularly about residential and commercial attractants, advocates for the bears who are victims of human behavior, and in recent online presentations, how to be safe while recreating in BC's bear country. Lucy joined the Defender Radio podcast in the first week of June for this interview. This time of year, like, like let's start out with where bears are at right now. Uh, it's a little Thank bit you. different coast to coast, but what are bears black bears generally doing this time of year so we're in early june this will come out it'll come out this week so we're early june uh yep. what are they up to
0: it's a really busy time actually for black bears it's mating season here in british columbia so i typically female bears live a little bit closer to people like on the periphery of the urban environments female bears are the ones that we see uh, most often, and then the male bears live further away from people in the best habitat. Uh, but this time of year, the males are coming down in pursuit of the female. So uh, there is going to be more bear activity. Um, the chances of encountering a bear are much higher at this time of year. They're much more active as they search out that mate. It's also the time of year. Um, a few weeks ago, um, young teenage bears uh, were dispersed. so push away from their mother. Um, and are sent off to find their own home range. So we get lots of young, inexperienced bears. Um, They will be, again, typically closer to people um, in the sense that they don't get the best feed in times. uh, They don't get the best feed in spots. They're kind of reserved for the dominant male bears. So younger bears sometimes get pushed a little bit closer to uh, the trails that people use and sometimes into the community Um, The young bears are looking for easy food sources. It's their first time away from their mom, so it's very, very important that we are always mindful of food sources on our properties too, but we can expect to see young bears. Um, Young bears are less experienced and they're more curious too. All bears are curious animals, but Mm -hmm. those young teenage bears, especially males, are much more curious. Uh, They're the ones that are a little bit more likely to approach people, less likely to retreat. They need to learn how to behave around people. So it's really important that we know how to behave um, when we encounter bears. Uh, But this time of year, yeah, not more aggressive, but bears are going to be a little bit more agitated. Uh, The females are being pursued by those males. So always, always we want to uh, promote give bears, lots of personal space, of course, but uh, especially this time of year, make sure that you're not approaching with your cell phone for a photograph and that you're backing away nice and slowly and giving them lots of space. I am because they're on a mission. <laughs>
1: yeah, very much. I am always amazed when I see those post those photos pop up online of someone trying to get a selfie with a seven hundred pounds yeah. animal they don't know behind like you you just turned your back. On a large animal. And while I am a firm believer and based on the science and experience that these animals don't want to hurt us, just mm-hmm. don't do that. Just don't do it. Like you're creating the yeah. possibility of things to go wrong. You're also putting yourself exactly. close to an animal and on and on. And
0: it's typically, as you say, it's it's the bears that pay the price Um, for that questionable human behavior. And and despite constant harassment and pressure from people and dogs, bears show us every single day that they're incredibly tolerant. They're very capable of hurting people, yet they don't have that inclination. uh, Despite people doing uh, some very crazy things um, when they're close to bears, yeah, I've had... So many amazing close encounters with bears. I could have taken some great selfies, Mm -hmm. but that is not my priority. Um, When you're on your phone, um, you lose perspective. It's difficult to tell where the bear actually is. You never, ever want to turn your back to a wild animal. Um, Absolutely. Um, That should be common sense. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not, so we'll keep spreading that message. Um, Always be facing the bear and see what the bear is up to um, not that that bear is very likely to injure you, but just so you know uh, what the bear is up to, also to make sure that you're not pressuring the bear. So there's a couple of reasons that we don't want to get close to take photographs. And the first reason is that we pressure the bear to respond. Um, typically, that bear's going to respond um, using vocalizations. So they might. Um, exhale excessively, they might huff or moan, and that says that the bear is stressed, you too close, you're in their personal space, and many people would report those vocalizations as aggressive behavior, and then that bear's got a target on their head of course, so understanding bear behavior is incredibly important uh, the other reason that we don't want to get close to take photographs um, is that we pressure the bear um, to perhaps go into another bear's path, I saw it um, a couple of weeks ago actually a gentleman approached uh, a bear family a mom and two teenage bears that she still had with her at the time he was 10 meters away and he approached the family trying to get photographs and the mother bear stood on her hind legs and the man was afraid and he started to run away uh, now, the reason that mother bear was stood on her hind legs, that's not an aggressive posture from bear, that's curiosity. That mother bear was standing to look and use her nose to figure out which way she could go to escape from this photographer. What he wasn't aware of was that only about 100 meters away, there was another male bear who was a threat to the cubs that she has with her. So when we get close, we pressure the bears to change their roots, and we mm-hmm. could potentially send that bear into the path of a male bear that could... Uh, kill or injure uh, bear cubs so we have a huge impact and often people don't realize um, what we're doing to these bears and how we're disrupting their natural behavior
1: that's certainly something that i think just needs to be talked about more in general but specifically in the media i think that needs to be talked about uh I, i there is a story i have not done the research into it yet but the headline is more or less that a small dog was attacked by a deer somewhere um And I I don't need to read the story to wager that there's a probable 50-50 chance that the dog ran at the deer first.
0: I would think so. I Uh, would assume so. And
1: if not, then there was something behind the deer that it felt the need to either be defensive about or protective of. Like, I think what's difficult is explaining to people that animals don't want, I should say, non-human wild animals don't want to be around us as a rule. And yes, absolutely. frequently when they do end up around us, our inability to listen to them as it is. And, and again, uh, uh, humans, we don't only talk with our voices. We talk with our body language and with our tone and with all kinds of other things. And it's the same, it, the same is true of other animals. And it, it's trying to get that disconnect across. And that's what I love about your presentations and the work you do Um is is showing the character and that this is not a bear. Like that story you just told is so great because you're that is exactly what people think is an aggressive posture. And yeah. as you point out, it's not at all. And the person involved didn't even know what else was going on. Uh, which really underscores again this whole we need to be doing better at trying to listen to what other animals are saying. Um but
0: absolutely and we're with- we're trying to promote, like, the true nature of bears and spend a lot of time focusing on that behavior and, most importantly, how we should behave around them. Um, it's incredibly important that you take the responsibility uh, to learn about bears when you're spending time in their home.
1: hmm uh, And today we were going to specifically talk a bit about outdoor recreation. Um, and maybe you can help me with this because I have struggled to come up with the right word for people who participate in outdoor recreation. Is it recreationalists? Is it recreationists? Is it recreate? I don't I'm know. I'm not sure. I, right? It's... Uh, you're
0: the word man. I figure that you would know that better <sighs> than
1: me. I'll probably just Google it later and then lie about it and say I knew all along. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, I saw a couple of your posts for North Shore Black Bear Society specifically about some presentations you've been doing uh, online and the, the whole concept though of we want to be outside in these spaces. And and again, during this pandemic, I am craving outdoor time. Uh, absolutely craving it. It's a physical urge. Um, so I certainly appreciate, especially in BC with your beautiful trails and old logging roads and mm-hmm. forests, um, the, the desire to be out there and to be out there walking, hiking, running, phot- uh, photographing, uh, cycling, doing all these different things. But each one of those things carries with it its own risks and things that we do as people that can create conflict um so i thought that this where do you want to start with this this is this is now officially into your territory so where's the where's the good spot to start talking about this
0: um i think just learning some general best practices um for reducing risk like the risk of being injured by a bear in the forest is incredibly rare even um lower in the community Uh, But when we're spending time in their home, um, there are definitely things that we can do to reduce those risks and to reduce that impact on their lives too. Uh, We're a guest in their home and we should be very respectful um, to their behavior, uh, to their needs, and not just take, 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 right? That's what we do. Um, We go in the forest, uh, we build all these trails in their home. Uh, We harass them for photographs and Still, they show so much tolerance towards people, Um, but we need to start um, giving back to these animals, giving them the space back, giving them the time back to feed, and just be respectful. I think that we're just seeing a huge lack of respect, and over the past few years, we're starting to see uh, more stories coming out of bears being killed in their home. We have some amazing places to visit in British Columbia in the backcountry. You can go... um, up through alpine meadows, of beautiful wildflowers, just the most beautiful, breathtaking places. But those places now, um, 60,000 people a year are visiting um, this one beautiful place in British Columbia called um, Garibaldi. Uh, beautiful lake, beautiful camping spot, um, lots of bear activity. Uh, we've got grizzly bears and white bears that live in that space. Uh, but more people going out there that are inexperienced and They're causing bears to be killed in their home now by things that they do. They leave food on the trails. They leave garbage on the trails. They don't know how to respond when they encounter a bear, so they're doing the wrong things and things like dropping their backpacks full of food when they encounter a bear because Mm. they they don't know about bear behavior and how to respond. Um, So things like that that we can do to reduce our impact. And we absolutely must do it. Um, we can't keep killing bears in British Columbia. About it's between 500 to 1,000 bears are killed every year in British Columbia and this is not because people are being attacked, it's just because these bears are present in the neighborhood or they're comfortable around people because we've taught them to be comfortable. We've either fed them directly or indirectly or we just stand there and film and allow them to get comfortable around people until it doesn't suit us and then those bears are killed. So. Uh, We want to just promote the best practices. Um, So I can go through some avoidance strategies. So the best um, kind of things that we can do, um, and this is if you're going out for a day hike, it's if you're going out backpacking for a week, it's if you're leaving your front door on the North Shore and going into the trails, we're so close to the forest here. Um, We mustn't become complacent when we're going on the local trails. Um, You also can't become complacent. If you feel comfortable around bears, if you've had lots of encounters, what you need to remember now is that more people are spending time in the forest. Um, On the North Shore, um, recreation has just gone up up phenomenally in the last five years that I've been here. And so you've also got to remember that you don't know what encounter that bear had with -hmm. someone else five minutes before they met you. Mm -hmm. So you might be very comfortable around bears, Um, as I am but I'm actually more afraid of the questionable behavior um, of people and what they might push bears to do and that's what actually frightens me
1: that's something I've been hearing a lot about in the I I think I've started hearing about maybe in the last year or so is this consideration and I heard it from uh, Leslie Sampson at Coyote Watch Canada she brings this up a lot Uh, that whole concept of you don't know the experience of this other creature. And in the context of a bear or a coyote or a deer or anything else, that animal could have been harassed and injured by dogs in the past or harassed and injured by people in the past. So their experience will inform the actions they take. And you can't know that. Therefore, it's another reason to give them distance and to keep ourselves restrained. Uh, but it's just—it it's... seems
0: quite difficult for people to do that.
1: <laughs> well, how much of it though? And this is—I I kind of feel like the theme of this year so far. How much of this is people not knowing, and then because they don't know, they don't know what they don't know, and then you just kind of get sort of misinformation firing off on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Um, like it—it—it's this strange cycle of a lack of education on this. And I, I, again, that's why what you do is so great. Something I think that needs to be looked at is how to get that point across to people who maybe don't want to hear it. So regardless of your outdoor recreation, there are times, and you've experienced this, I'm certain, I've experienced this, again, my experience is more coyote-centric and fox-centric here in Southern Ontario, where there are signs put up, you know, path closed because of wildlife activity, or, Mm -hmm. you know, park closed because of wildlife, and people just refuse to accept that. Um, yeah. And it seems like it's it's. How do we get past that barrier of like this is for everyone's safety, not just theirs and not just yours, but everybody's.
0: How do we fix people? It's a really people? big challenge. I I'm still working on that absolutely, and I've seen it myself. So I live at the base of uh, Provincial Park, mm-hmm. uh, Seymour Provincial Park. And all throughout the restrictions, when the park was closed, people were still using that space. Um, We've got a lot more people using our regional parks. Um, So people were forced into different spaces. That's that's absolutely certain. And I understand that people like to be in the forest, uh, to be away from people typically. Um, But you must understand that uh, when parks are closed, when trails are closed, it's typically to keep people safe. Um, That is a priority of the government, isn't it? Keep people safe. And we must respect those closures. Um, You wouldn't camp at a closed camping site that's closed um, because of bear activity. You're increasing the risk then um, of a a negative encounter with a bear. So it's all about risk and and reducing that risk and reducing the impact too. Um, We've had um, a young bear on one of our local mountains, um, a mountain that's used so much by mountain bikers and hikers. I'm mm-hmm. sure that this young bear has had a lot of mixed messages from, I'm sure, people feeding him, uh, people approaching for photographs, other people screaming, having bikes go past him, off-leash dogs, just constant pressure and harassment from people. And uh, this bear's been quite curious, um, He's approaching people or does not really back in the way. Um, and that's just because he's, he's a younger bear and he needs to be taught not to get into our personal space. And there are different things that we do when we meet bears like that. Um, we did uh, want those trails to be closed, um, but we know that people won't respect that. And uh, it, it's just really unfortunate. I do not have, know how to change that human behavior and that entitlement that so many people have Um you know if the trails are closed it's to protect you um and and other people so i think you need to look at it from from that perspective and not just that you know we're closing this just because we don't want you in this space it's it's for safety uh, it's a safety mm-hmm. aspect really so i think it was i i don't yeah with the with the some with mountain bikers here on the North Shore, it, it, it's, a, it's a big issue. Like, mm-hmm. we've got it, it's a really um, active place for mountain biking here on the North Shore, and there are new trails coming up all the time. And we're just seeing so many natural bare foods being removed, and we're, we're giving them just less and less space to live and taking food sources away from them. And just by being present, we, um, kind of disturb their natural behavior too and we need to understand that um these animals help to replenish this beautiful forest that we enjoy so much and we need to allow them the space and the time to do that so that we can enjoy those spaces too Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i i mean it does lead into this huge issue of shared space um which i i think maybe we need another hour for some other time (laughs) Uh, to to talk about solutions and it's certainly there are solutions there are and that is something I will look into uh, for a future episode is that shared space issue and how do we effectively allow people to enjoy the outdoors without having a negative impact on the rest of the environment as well as other people who are trying to enjoy those same outdoors but uh, I feel like if we had an easy answer to that uh, we'd be in a different world right now Absolutely. so <laughs> now one of the things though, with cyclists and it doesn't matter what kind of cycling you're doing um we've all seen some of the videos of an animal coming out of nowhere and knock them off their bike um they they end up on late night tv shows and on local mm-hmm. news clips and it's always scary um but is it always preventable i guess is part of my question like what can people be doing for this this wild and God, i gotta think it's actually quite rare based on how often i see it but how, in those kinds of situations, you're moving fast, animals might be moving fast, other people might be moving fast. What can we be doing as individuals in this process to make that safer, specifically for the animals, but also for ourselves and others?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So biking, uh, mountain biking, and even road biking here, we've got some great um, paved trails through our forest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, high impact. Um, fast and very quiet activity. Uh, so things that we can do when we're biking, and we must remember that when we're biking, because we're moving fast, we increase the risk of a surprise close encounter. So absolutely use your voice as the best tool that you have. Um, you, when you're biking, you need to be very loud and calling out often. Bear bells are not effective. They're very quiet. They don't identify you as a human, but your voice does. Bear's are very smart They don't want to be around people. In fact, they spend a lot of time and energy trying to avoid us. So when we use our voice, we give the bear an opportunity uh, to hide in a tree or hide in a different part of the forest. They do not want to encounter you. Uh, So using your voice often. Um, Going out in groups too, so you'll be louder together. Making sure that if you're mountain biking, especially that you're not taking your dog with you. Um, Off-leash dogs are the cause of more than half of all negative wildlife encounters. It's absolutely impossible, especially mountain biking, it's very technical to concentrate on the trail, to be aware of your surroundings and be able to focus on what your dog is up to. So off-leash dogs go off into the bushes and disturb bears, pressure them. The pressured bear feels it needs to defend itself and so often chase the dog and then typically the dog runs back to the owner, and that's when people and bears have these close negative encounters. That's a really big way of reducing your impact and reducing risk is not to take your dog if you're mountain biking. Uh, Make sure that you're not wearing headphones so you can listen out um, for any sounds too. You You can also also look for other animals. Ravens and crows squawking is a really good indicator that there's a large mammal, maybe a cougar or a bear close by. They follow those animals um, looking for their scraps of food Um, So just being aware always of your surroundings, um, looking around you, um, using your voice. And then you want to be reducing your speed too. So if you're going around those blind corners, low visibility trails, you really want to slow down. Make sure that uh, you tell somebody where you're going, of course. And you can look out for uh, natural bear food. So if you're using trails, and now I've noticed lots and lots of beautiful salmon berries on our trails right now. The trails are becoming very overgrown. It's very difficult to see. Uh, so we want to, whether you're biking, running, or even hiking on those trails, slow down, and that will reduce the risk of a surprise encounter. Use your voice more often and be louder on those narrow, low visibility trails. And then when you're traveling by creeks and rivers, uh, be mindful that they're natural wildlife corridors. And we need to be much louder to make sure that the bears can hear us over the sound of the water. Some other things that we do when we go into the forest when we're biking, and this has happened a couple of times um, last year on the North Shore, unfortunately, is that many times people uh, will stop and they'll have some food, and then they'll go off, take some photographs, whatever they might do, and they leave that food unattended. Uh, now bears very rarely will approach people for food. That's a big risk, uh, for not a great reward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if the food is left unattended, they're opportunistic animals and they will take that food. And they soon learn uh, that people provide them food, and very few negative encounters. Too, uh, we watch the bear take that food, and very few people uh, would try and deter the bear. Um, rather. People just get out their camera and film that. And so that's what we've seen here on the North Shore is that a couple of times last year, um, bears have been sent down this path because people have um, left food unattended. They've gone climbing and left their backpacks full of food at the bottom. Bikers have been in the forest and left food unattended. The bears then get more comfortable around people. And so last year, we lost two bears in our parks. Um, So it's a very different situation to when bears... killed in in the community, obviously that's absolutely terrible and we've got a responsibility when we live in bear country but when we're starting to kill bears in their own home now, it's just, it needs to stop and there are things that we can do um, to massively, massively reduce the number of bears that are being killed in British Columbia and being mindful of food sources and your behaviour when you're in their home are two big things that will reduce the number of human-caused deaths of Mm -hmm. black bears.
1: (sighs) I wish there was some flip we could switch on some of this stuff and make it known Um, because it is so important and it's so interconnected, I think, too. Uh, And something I I like that you raised, too, is the headphone issue because as a uh, uh, generally urban runner, I often wear headphones. (laughs) Uh, And when I go on trails and uh, when I signed up for a uh, Forest 5K, they said, like, you can wear a headphone, but if we see you wearing, like, ear coverings of any kind um Mm -hmm. then you're out we're gonna tap you and ask you to leave and it's a safety issue for exactly that uh if you like I'm wearing uh studio headphones right now and I can't hear my anything around me at all um I can only hear things if they come through your channel uh so it's an interesting sensation but the point is you know JJ can walk literally right up next to me right now and I may not notice her right away Uh (laughs) right. Like that's, I think that's what we forget is if we are removing ourselves in some way from the environment we have then put ourselves in, we are the ones both creating and accepting risk. Uh, yet as, as we again and again and again point out when things do go bad, it is very rarely the people who have to pay for that mistake and frequently the animals, um, And let's, uh, one of the other ones I'd like to talk about, uh, is talking to kids about this stuff. I, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm often, I I carry anxiety about giving people anxiety as young people, because I was given a lot of anxiety (laughs) as a young person. So how do you communicate the need for safety? It's like, we want you to go out and enjoy the environment and not be afraid of bears, but FYI, don't get eight. So. How do we kind of, and obviously that's not the language you use, uh, I hope. Do you use that language?
0: I definitely not. Okay. No. Well, well, I feel I would not be
1: doing my due diligence if I didn't check. But anyway, uh, the, the, but how do you have this conversation? I mean, it's it's a serious conversation, right? It's 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 serious. It's about safety. Lives can be at stake when we talk about this kind of stuff. Uh, And especially for folks who have kids growing up in an area, again, you know, where I am, safety is more about people uh, than it is wildlife. But Mm -hmm. when you're growing up in an area where you need to be about aware of this stuff, how do you have that conversation without creating fear?
0: That's a really good question, and it's definitely something that I was I myself was very afraid of as I uh, started doing school presentations and. uh, outreach to to younger residents on the North Shore, Um, but they take the information incredibly well, actually better than most adults, to be fair. And we're just absolutely honest. In fact, the information that I share with children is very similar to the information that I would typically share with most adults at community events or during workshops. Um, We don't focus a lot, of course, on uh, negative wildlife encounters. We do not Um, sugarcoat that. We say, of course, that there is a risk to people and occasionally bears have been killed, uh, people have been killed by bears in British Columbia and in North America, but the risk is incredibly low. And we just promote all the things that we can do to reduce that risk so talking about avoidance strategies teaching them to look for bear sign what does bear scat look like what does a mark tree look like how do you know if a bear has been in this space we teach them what to do if they encounter a bear and we teach them about the life cycle and the seasonal habits and hopefully they'll just be more comfortable more confident with their knowledge they know more about bear behavior than most adults do and they know how to respond in an encounter And we're very, very grateful um, for the the support that we've had from the two school districts here um, on the North Shore. Um, We've got lots of very knowledgeable kids uh, that are going home and then teaching their families uh, about avoidance strategies and uh, carrying bear spray, um, a wonderful tool, um, non-lethal tool that we absolutely promote. Um, everybody spending time in bear country uh, should be carrying bear spray. They should know how to use it. It's very, very unlikely that you'll ever have to deploy your bear spray, but um, in the worst-case scenario, it is your best defense against an aggressive bear. Um, it's very likely that, unlikely that you'll meet an aggressive bear in the first place, but you've got that tool then um, that helps to protect you and teaches bears not to get close to people. Um, it's a good teaching tool for some young bears uh, that might need that. Um, So the incident on farm with the uh, local mountain where the bear was approaching people, that curious young bear, that would have been a great opportunity to deploy that bear spray. It's a very intense pepper. Um, It's not harmful to the bear long term, but it affects their nose and their eyes. And it's a great deterrent. And they remember, they've got incredible memories. So we've got tools like our voice and There's avoidance strategies of looking for bear sign and um, making sure that we don't leave food available and such, but we've also got an actual tool of bear spray um, to use in that worst-case situation. And we absolutely promote that people take that with them at all times and know how to use it too.
1: That's awesome. Um, One of the ones I wanted to talk about is birdwatching slash nature viewing slash photography. Uh, This is what I'm more likely to be doing on some of these trails. Um, And when I do go up north, I love to sit outside and do art and stuff like that. So I get very focused on what I'm doing. Um, You know, I've got people in my life who love to do photography and you go out and you find, you know, the shot you want and you stand there for two minutes setting it up or you're looking for a specific bird or something like that. Uh, are mm-hmm. there are there any tips in those instances for managing sort of the knowing your surroundings and stuff?
0: Well, I've seen a lot of really bad behavior from photographers, I must admit. And so they all kind of get a bad rap, to be honest, which is not fair. Uh, there are definitely some people that are doing that ethically. Um, but there are lots of people that aren't. Um, or some quite reputable photographers, too. Um, I'm quite surprised to learn, but yeah, I think when you're going out specifically to photograph bears, which many people do here, you must absolutely understand that you're having an impact um, on their life and the route that they're taking, uh, the time that they spend foraging. Uh, Many, many times we get people um, trapping bears in trees. This is really common. Um, So what happens um, in the late spring is that the female bears with the cubs of the year uh, they'll actually tree those cubs to keep them safe. They put them in a tree and they'll, uh, they'll go off to forage. And um, Many people will see those bear cubs in the tree, stand at the bottom of the tree. They're taking photographs and they trap those cubs in the tree. Um, so we put lots of stress and pressure on bears. We get too close. Um, we can sometimes block the path that the bear wants to take. So sometimes bears will uh, approach you Uh, Not because they're intent on approaching you, um, but there's a food source perhaps that's behind you that they're trying to get to. Uh, Some bears will just pass you. Other bears uh, will have to take a different route and perhaps uh, lose the opportunity to feed on that food source. So understanding uh, the bears that you're spending time with and that you're not getting too close. And just understand, learn the routes that they take. Bears are creatures of habit. They'll take the same routes at the same times. Just make sure that you're not disturbing uh, natural behavior, and that you're not putting yourself in a situation where you're going to pressure the bear to defend itself.
1: Something I love that North Shore Black Bear Society does uh, on your social media is showing bear sign here and there. Uh, oh yeah. When it, whether it's coming across scat or the the marks on the trees, uh, I always think <laughs> that's so cool to see. Um, are those the kinds of things, too, people should be looking for? Kind of just regardless, if you are out in bear country, these are some of the signs?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's another avoidance strategy. So things that we can do to reduce the chances of a surprising encounter, just be aware of what's around you. Are there um, lots and lots of salmon berries, lots of blueberries that we're getting right now? Okay, that's, that's going to be an area where a bear is going to come to feed, so leave that space. Um, look out for scats or bear poop. Um, and if it's nice and shiny and wet, then you know that it's fresh. A bear's recently been around. Bear tracks, it's a nice rainy day here um, on the North Shore. So I'm going to go out and look for some bear tracks later. So if you see bear tracks, um, they're a bit like human footprints in the sand, actually. Bears have got five toes and five claws. Um, if you see bear tracks going one way, that's a really good indicator to turn around and take a different trail. <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> I always leave uh, the house when I go into the forest, always have my bear spray, never, ever have to use it, um, but it's a great tool. It's wildlife spray, actually, so it's effective to you on wolves and cougars if you live in spaces uh, with those animals. We have cougars here on the North Shore, never seen one. Found lots of sign, lots of cougar tracks and fresh scat, but uh, they're incredibly elusive. Uh, but that that's wildlife spray, so that in the worst case scenario will, will protect you against those animals. Um, and yeah, just be looking for marked trees. Um, that tells you that a bear's used in that space. Now, when bears mark trees, um, they're going to do that with their claws, and it leaves a visual mark, and it leaves a scent behind too. That's a message for other bears. Uh, so young teenage bears that have been dispersed. Uh, that find these marked trees, they will know then that another typically bigger male bear lives or is using that space, and they know to move on. So we ask that if you find this bear sign, it is really cool. I love finding marked trees and such, but please don't touch it and leave your human smell on there. That will take away the message that the bear left, for so the bears in the area. Um, so take photographs of all this sign. And then if you see lots of bear scat, lots of marked trees, Take a different trail. It's all about avoiding these close, surprising encounters. Binoculars, my favorite tool. That's a really awesome thing to take out into the forest with you. You can have a scan around the area. If you're going into the back country, into alpine meadows, that's how you can have a really great experience. Um, so, talking about looking for sign, um, had a really cool experience a few years ago. Um, in the back country in British Columbia, um, we were about six hours into the hike. There's no one else around, uh, very rare for the area that we were in. And I saw a hoary marmot run by. Well, that's grizzly food. Two minutes later, we see grizzlies, um, a mom and three cubs. Um, they were about 200 meters away, um, down in the valley. And because we had binoculars, we were able to see them and enjoy watching them behave naturally because we weren't close and Disturbing their natural behavior is an awesome experience. So if you take binoculars into the forest, you get to see the bears and other animals behaving naturally, and, and you just cannot beat that. I do not understand why people want pictures on their cell phones of bears. It's too close. You're way too close, and that's going to be a frightened bear, a stressed bear. I don't know why you would want a photograph a, a little bear cub that's trapped in a tree and I'm very worried because it can't find its mom and it's stuck in the tree I don't know uh, what motivates people to get photographs like that I really don't.
1: Talking with Lucy is always fun and informative. If you want to learn more about Lucy's educational efforts and the North Shore Black Bear Society's work visit northshorebears.com or look them up on social media. Now, their social posts are always full of local and bear-focused info with great photos, so I strongly recommend to follow. I also want to thank Lucy for sharing her time with us, and all of you, for listening. By the way, if you're listening to this episode because you're a fan of bears, make sure you look up our Stash Your Trash music video, which has original lyrics, music composition, and animation. It's available on YouTube and our website at thefurbears.com. Just search for Stash Your Trash Music Video. Please do click subscribe on your podcast player to make sure you're getting notified of all the latest episodes of Defender Radio as they're posted. And you'll definitely want to stay tuned because I've got a Defender Radio green hoodie burning a hole in my pocket that needs to be won by someone. Details on that soon. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Defender Radio and on Instagram at Howie Michael get photos of J.J. the Hamilton Hound, updates of this podcast, and occasional posts of things that I think the world needs more of, which is namely photos of J.J. Until next time, I'm Michael Howie for Defender Radio and the Fur Bears reminding you to be kind and to stay informed and stay strong.